welcome to creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast in this show we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing and i am your host ramakrishna let's begin the show today's our guest is venkat avasarala from striker properties welcome venkat thanks for having me Sure. A little bit about Venkat. Venkat is a seasoned real estate professional. His main focus is ground-up development of market-rate multifamily properties and acquiring value-add workforce housing multifamily properties in landlord-friendly sun-built states. Venkat is developing 1,500 multifamily units in DFW, Austin, Phoenix. Venkat also acquired 3,000-plus existing apartment units since 2016. Venkat is managing $85 million in investor equity and has over $400 million in asset under management so with that venkat so you want to add anything to your background no that's pretty much it that's what i've been doing lately but yeah i started as an it professional back in 2004 after getting my two year masters degree in electrical engineering so went into it did 14 years of corporate it gave up that career in mid 2018 roughly about 3 years ago and doing full time real estate since then but i got started with commercial real estate in 2016 Sure thank you and so what do you share your thought process of getting into multifamily commercial space and what is the reason Sure so it was around 2008 when i actually got into real estate i started with like most of you all uh with uh, single family homes and the reason to do that was you know one day i was uh, working at a fortune 500 company here or fortune 100 company here in plano texas and i went to work and i see a bunch of uh, emergency services there right they have these fire engines uh, medical equipment and all that and i wasn't sure what's going on and uh, what i realized there is they are laying off people who been working for like 20 30 years and if you recall 2008 is a pretty rough year and a couple of years thereafter for employment right so a lot of people lost jobs luckily i didn't but it made me realize one thing you know all these people they're pretty late in their careers right i see 50 60 year old people getting laid off and they didn't know what to do because they've been working on a technology for last 20 30 years which is may or may not be able to market themselves in other fields in other property another uh, jobs so that's why right that's why they're all fainting and everything and it was a rough picture so it early on in my career itself i was able to realize that i cannot just depend on my day job it's nice to have but it cannot be the only source of income and that pushed me towards real estate i tried stocks a little bit i'm not particularly good at it so i didn't go too deep into stocks so i went into real estate and bought myself 20 single family homes uh, from 2008 onwards uh, till I would say 2015 2015 is when I bought my last single family property but after which I quickly realized that look this is just taking forever I need to scale and then I realized that I got to buy commercial real estate for which you need a lot of money in order to do that you need to syndicate so that is when I realized in starting 2016 I was only doing commercial real estate so yeah that's pretty much the progression cool cool and would you share about any of your breakthrough moment Yeah my breakthrough moment would be look I started looking at the deals in late 2015 didn't land a deal until mid 2016 and that to a 100 unit C class property in Norman Oklahoma and I learned quite a bit on that but the real breakthrough where I started to rapidly improve increase my portfolio is when I, I developed this relationship with a broker here in Dallas uh, who ended up selling me 2000 units in the next 18 months so it took me like 2 2 and a half years to buy let's say 800 
200 units, then another 2000 units in over the next 18 months or so. So that would be my breakthrough moment. I don't know what I did to impress this particular broker, but basically I try to be very upfront about the things I know, the things I can do and the things I cannot do. And I try to keep my word to the best of my ability so that you give the ease of doing business to the people who work with me. And uh, basically, long story short, I was able to build this relationship with this broker who helped me scale my portfolio really quick. And now later on, I pivoted from this existing uh, multifamily value-add properties into ground of construction and land development as well. But I would still attribute most of my success to that one pivotal, that one tour I did with this particular broker. And I was able to impress upon them. And uh, this particular broker helped me quite a bit, even with off-market properties and helped me scale. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. What is your investment philosophy, Rinkat? So again, in 2016, I started with like most of the people, I wanted to buy something, some C-class apartments, right? I mean, workforce, we are all led to believe that that is where the growth is, right? I mean, where we can grow investor equity quickly with the class. And that is true, right? Because my very first property, I bought it for like eight cap and a class A, maybe like a five and a half cap back then, right? So yes, it makes sense to buy these workforce properties at 40, 50,000 a door, put 5,000, 6,000 thousand a door into it uh, and do the value add, increase the rents and sell it. So that is how I started. But as the cycle matured, the real estate cycle matured, what I have seen is all these A, B and C, they all those cap rates are sitting on top of each other. They're all between three and five cap and it makes it incredibly hard to make it work. So my philosophy is pay attention to what makes most sense at any given time. What made sense five years, six years ago before doesn't make any sense right now. So that is my philosophy. My philosophy is to just see what people are doing in industry, how people are trying to pivot from what they were doing before to better themselves, to make better investments and grow their investment. Cool. Yeah. So would you share a little bit more about your acquisition process, business plan and exit criteria? So again, it changed quite a bit, like I said, from when we started 2016. So my latest acquisition criteria is I'm looking west. Even though I live in Dallas, Dallas, Texas, I no longer syndicate or buy properties in Texas. I'm actually under contract to sell a significant portion or all of my Texas portfolio is up for sale. And I'm trying, I'm in the process of exiting Texas. And the main reason being our property taxes and insurance has been increasing at, let's say, 20% a year, but the rents are only increasing. 3% a year. So I saw the writing on the wall and this is not going to correct itself anytime soon. And life is short, you know, so you got to pivot and go to where it makes most sense. So I'm looking in uh, to buy in Arizona, Phoenix mostly, and then Denver in Colorado. And I'm also interested in Utah, Idaho, and Las Vegas, but uh, my primary interest to acquire existing multifamily is in Phoenix and Denver. And the reason for that is uh, those areas we have the expenses very low and they stay low. Like for example, a B-class property in Texas, let's call it Dallas, right? So your expense ratio would be around 55% if you do it carefully, but if you are not careful, it can quickly climb up to 65%. So if you bring a dollar in rent and you spend 55 to 65 cents back on the prop, right? Mostly driven by higher taxes and insurance compared to the rest of the country. But if you buy in these areas, right? Phoenix and Colorado, your expense ratios are can be as low as 25%. 
there's a big difference, right? And 25 might be a little too low, but 30% is achievable. 30% in Colorado, 20, uh, 35% in Phoenix. So that's why I like those markets where the expenses stay put, they're low and they stay low at the same time due to the influx of the domestic migration and all that. And also scarcity of housing in both those markets are driving up rents like crazy and they have better demographics also. So that is my criteria for existing multifamily. Now coming to new build, I want to build where there is absorption. Dallas is the country leader. It's number one in the country for absorption. What does that mean? Let's say if you build something, you can lease it up quickly if it's in Dallas than any other market in the country, right? So that's why I'm focusing on ground up construction in Dallas, Austin, and even Phoenix to do build anywhere between 100 to 350 units uh, at any given project. And also I'm doing a bit of land development. Again, land is in great dem demand. Again, what that business works is like where you buy ag land of certain acreage, let's say 50, 60, 70 acres, and then you work with the local government there and put a plan development on it and get zoning on it. So you get different pieces, right? You get multifamily, single family, townhome in the residential side. And then you're on the commercial side, you get maybe retail, fast food center kind of a land. So then you, you sell these lands as individual parcels. So you're buying land in wholesale and your value add you're adding there is putting the plan development and the zoning. And you'll obviously make some site improvements and sell it in pieces for profit. Cool. And thank you. So would you share some best practices for like land development and ground up development? And uh, did you face any kind of challenges? Yes. So I always believe in one thing, right? So we don't know what we don't know, right? So that's why when you're going into the different areas, when you're pivoting out of something that you have known, you have done several times, in my instance, it is, you know, value at multifamily. That I can just do it all by myself. I could use help here and there, but I know what I'm doing. But when you go into other areas where, because they make more sense at the time, you got to partner with somebody who have done so many times, so many times that they know how things work. Again, the whole point is to reduce the risk because we can't be learning on our investors' time. So my partners in Dallas, that I have two partners in Dallas and uh, one partner in Phoenix and what I do with the construction is like I partner with somebody who have at least around 20 years of experience so that they bring that to the aspect. And we together, we go look for land, put it under contract, do the due diligence and the pre-construction activities together, raise money and uh, co-manage the deal. So that is what I would recommend because development does make a whole lot of sense. It's just that we need to get our right partner on our side so that we don't make some rookie mistakes. Got it. So would you also share any challenging experiences in that space? Finding land, that is something I go every day. The land has been crazy. Let's say you want to build something. At this point, I got it down to thumb rules. Even the thumb rules are just used to initially wet the, you know, like a back of the napkin kind of an analysis. So the land has to be, you cannot pay more than a certain number per land. Let's say if your rents are $1.50, if you start paying anything more than $15,000 per unit per unit per land, the numbers will get squishy a little bit, meaning the feasibility will start hurting. So the biggest challenge right now is to locate the land, locate the zone multifamily land so that we can start building quickly. Now, when it comes to land development, the biggest challenge is to deal with the city. Previously, when I say previously, 10 years ago, if you have a piece of ag land, you go work with the city 
CT and you ask them, hey, can you give me multifamily? They'll make you jump through a few hoops anyway, but they'll give it to you, right? So you buy 10 acres, you want multifamily, you got it. Now you can go build, let's say 250, 300 units on it. Very good. Not anymore. They're not doing that no more. So if you go right now to CT and say that, well, can you please rezone these 10 acres of ag land? What they'll say is, Vinkad, you don't need 10 acres, you need 30. Go buy 30 acres. Yes, I'll give you the 10 multifamily, but give me some commercial and some single family in the other 20 acres. And why do they do that? Because especially in Texas, what happens is like there is no income tax. So the states derive, state and local governments derive a lot of taxes out of the property taxes, right? And a lion's share of the property taxes are used to fund schools. And if you put multifamily, let's say 200 units, and maybe there is a kid, one kid per each multifamily unit. So those 200 kids you got to educate. In Texas, it costs you about $12,000 a year to educate a kid. But the problem is you don't pay that much back in taxes on multifamily. So that's why they like retail, they like single family, where they get a lot of revenue, different kinds of revenue, right? Property tax, sales tax, and if it's a hotel occupancy tax and so forth. And there's no kids to educate. So the cities want to break even on their taxes versus their income versus expense. So that's why they're all pushing towards the mixed use kind of a thing where they no longer will give you just multifamily you need to get a little bit of everything. So that's another challenge to deal with cities. And I say this thing, yes, it is challenge, but if it's easy, everybody would do it. Thank God it's hard. Yep. And thank you. Thanks for sharing that. And would you share any of your best multifamily experience so far? I would think of this deal, Tuscana Village, 120 units, my very second deal, I bought it in October of 2016 and ended up getting out of it in less than two years or about two years for a big pop, right? I mean, we we enjoyed great cash flow and then we were able to more than double investors' money. And that is something that I always regret selling that one property. It's all one story, fourplex kind of a situation, all one story buildings and uh, it's a great asset. And we got it off market we were scared. I mean, when I say we, I used to have a partner back then. So we were scared because we lived in Dallas and nobody would give us a deal in Dallas. So as a step down, we went into Phoenix because Phoenix at the time is not as hot market, as hot of a market than it is right now. So we were able to land the deal, but all throughout the acquisition process, we were scared. Oh my God, we are going too far from home. And uh, But that turned out to be the best deal, easiest deal to manage and execute our business plan. So so yeah, that's my pleasurable experience. So cool. And would you also share any of your worst or challenging experience in multifamily so far? Oh, there are plenty. <laughs> uh, so what, what I would say is this, this is what I learned. So I also started with a guru, uh, so to speak, like a mentor, right? I mean, again, I, I'm a big believer in education. I got no business doing apartments and all that. I'm an electrical engineer by education and an IT guy. And then I started syndicating. Well, you need some education, right? You need somebody to help. So I got myself a mentor. Everything is good, but this mentor insisted that I got to put 12 year long term debt how much ever long you can you possibly can on this property and you cannot when you pick a mentor you have to listen to him right otherwise what's the point of picking a mentor right so I did it. All the while, I'm looking at everybody in the market who's not doing that, who's putting bridge loans. This mentor taught me that, you know what, bridge deals, bridge loans are evil. You got to stay always conservative. Okay, that's all good. Now I'm in the process of selling my portfolio and uh, nobody wants to assume this debt anymore because after COVID, the interest rates crashed and they can get much cheaper than debt than what I have placed. Right. 
So the seller, the buyer is assuming the debt, but now they are actually prepaying all these loans to the tune of tens of millions of dollars. All that money could have gone to my investors boosting their returns. We're still making a lot of profit. That's not the issue here. It's just that had we didn't do that blunder. So my takeaway here is if you have a mentor, that's good, but do not consider your mentor as a God. Pay always attention to what the whales are doing in the market, right? I mean, big operators, what are they doing? And see some commonality and try to talk to them and try to understand why they're doing what they're doing. And industry can be the better mentor or a better leader, a better teacher than a just mentor. And the reason for that is the mentorship business has completely gone haywire lately. They're all becoming like a show business than real estate business, right? So they don't invest same time as you and I would to understand what's going on in industry and pick up the best practices and evolve with the changing times. They're dinosaurs. Whatever they learned 10, 20 years back at the time when they were doing deals, That is what they're still teaching, but the world has moved on. So that's a a word of caution for everybody in this business. Yes, mentors are good, but after a while, you have to stop listening to them and pay attention to the market. That's so powerful. Yep. So what is your current focus and share something you're excited about now, Venkat? So I'm very excited about this project, 338 unit ground up construction deal in Austin, bought that property January of this year, closed on it ever since working on the pre-construction activities and getting entitlements. We are this close to getting the entitlement in our hand, close the construction loan and get building. So I'm already building 156 unit in Princeton. That is well over it, but this is a bigger project and it's also in Austin. And you know Austin, right? It has all the fanfare from all the investors. So I'm pretty excited that that is coming together. And also excited that, um, you know, I'm in the process of growing my portfolio in Denver. And those are the things I'm looking forward to. So what is your typical timeline for roundup development process? This is how it works, right? So it depends if the land is zoned multifamily or not. Let's consider the first case, zoned multifamily. Now, the biggest advantage here is you don't have to worry about zoning. You can start hiring an a architect and start drawing site maps and the detailed construction drawings, submit it to the city, get entitlements, right? So it will save you so much time. The con is like they're asking you an arm and a leg these days if it's zoned. Like it used to be 5,000 per unit, 10,000 per unit raw land, but now Now they want 10, 20, not 10 anymore. Uh, It starts at 20. And again, I'm talking about primary metros, Dallas, Phoenix, Austin, likes of that high growth markets. So what's happening here is that is the challenge. So if you buy, if you can make the deal work, even after paying that for land. So what will happen is it takes you about minimum of six months, uh, your pre-construction activities to get the entitlements. Try to do that before you close on the land. Otherwise you just sit on the land. In my case, I had to, otherwise seller would sell it to some. Else. Yeah, six months is what it will take before you close on the land. And once you line up your construction loan and the entitlement at the same time you close the construction loan, it takes about 18 months to build the structure and another six months to do the lease up. And lease up and the construction can overlap a bit because you don't have to wait until the every last building is complete. One side of the property is as soon as it's completed, you start putting people in while you build the other side, right? So two years to build and lease up. And then I recommend staying in the deal at least for one more year for two reasons. Number one, if you stay in the deal at least 12 months, 
and one day from the day you received the last CO certificate of occupancy, then you'll qualify for long-term tax rates and you know the advantage of it, right? Versus ordinary income tax. And the second thing is you'll get a chance to renew the leases that you put during the lease up because in lease ups, very often we give concessions because we are trying to lease a bunch of units all at the same time and we know we want it to be quick. So we give them two weeks free, four weeks free or whatever. So you get to burn off those concessions during the third year and sell it at the end of the third year. So I structure my deals in three years. Now, if your land is not zoned, add in a year to the whole process on the front. It takes a lot of time to get a land. Right, right. Yeah, thank you. So any one advice that have impact on you, Venkat? I would say that it's just, uh, you know, your network, right? Uh, somebody wise, you know, told me that, you know, your network, your network is your network. And there's so much truth in it, so much truth in it. And be open-minded, network like hell, and, and then shrink that network, right? You don't need to know 100 or 1,000 people. A good five people who have done so much in life and willing to help you, that is all you need, right? So network, I mean, that is what allowed me to enter into the real estate business, to flourish there and then pivot out of it into something else. And in future, I may not, I may do something else. And the reason for that is you have to keep evolving. Real estate is not static. Real estate goes in cycles. What makes sense today? If you ask me the same question three years from now, I may say that, you know what? Development doesn't make any sense. Possible, right? So always pay attention to what is happening in the market and don't be afraid to do different things than what you have done because it makes the most sense. You have to keep doing that. Otherwise, you'll be doing disservice to yourself and your investors. Cool. So any of your personal habits that helping you to be successful? Personal habit in the sense, I'm very curious, right? I ask so many questions, not to grill somebody, but just to understand anything and everything. And my interests range from, you know, physics, right? And when I say physics, you know, I'm a big fan of, you know, to understand how this all came to be, the Big Bang, the evolution and everything. And even in the biology, health, of course, all parts of real estate, construction. So basically, I have a very less number of topics that I, I will be bored with. So the takeaway here is be very curious, ask questions. You never know when you need this knowledge. Be an aggregator of this knowledge. That is my personal habit from the beginning, and it came in very handy. Okay, cool. So share any one personal learning that has played a part in creating massive impact and powerful shifts in our own life. So I was brought up in a very conservative family. I was always, my bringing was do not take risk, be risk-free. That is what they told me. That is what my bringing was. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that, not just in India, but in US also, right? A lot of parents, communities. But I realized that not taking risk is the biggest risk in itself. Because when God put us on this earth, we have, he empowered us with certain abilities. It's like not taking any risk, being so risk averse, accepting mediocrity in life. That is the biggest blunder one can do because you don't know what's in you, right? So I have heard from so many people, not just, I cannot just name one person, but so many success people, what I heard is that do take risks and do take them early in the life because you don't want to be taking a bunch of risks when you're 70, right? I mean, the sooner the better. So take risks. Don't be afraid of failure. Work out of your comfort zone. And that is what I'm trying to do. Yeah, so true. So true. Any one book that impacted your life and what way? I would say Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. That is a game changer, right? Some families, some parents take 
particular interest in teaching their kids on how to how to go about living life right i mean uh, like things like conflict resolution how to impress upon people how to win somebody's confidence and keep it and grow relationships these are all life skills right and but not many people have time these days to in, to teach all that to kids so we enter here into the world so we go to school come out of school and then we are in this world try to get ahead but we don't have the skills you don't need super intelligence right you don't need to be einstein to do well in this world all you need is an emotional intelligence how to work with people and i really like that book uh, by dale carnegie it was uh, written back in 20s but it is so relevant right now than it was that back then so that would be my favorite cool cool and how are you giving back to community what i do is like um when i started i call i used to call so many people reach out to people and so many people gave me a lot of good advice and some people took me in as a kp on their very first deal i got my fanime ticket that way then my very first deal is something that i didn't find somebody took me in as a partner so i try to do a give back exactly what i got from the world the same help i got from the world i want to give it to others so i do quite many times i try to give people kp opportunities co sponsor opportunities letting them ask me questions on asset management be a reference for them so that is how i think i'm giving the best value back to the world cool and how can listeners can connect with you venkat well they can call me at 2817279238 if you want to talk real estate or email me at venkat v e n k a t at striker s t r y k e r prop p r o p.com venkat at strikerprop.com Yeah thank you Venkat I really enjoyed the conversation thanks for adding value to the show likewise thank you sir if you like the show please subscribe share rate and review and if you want to connect with me please send me a message info@ushacapital.com thank you for listening creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast i hope you learned something from the show see you in the next episode thank you any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only as always please consult with your own cpa legal and financial advisor before investing